Hey guys, Dustin Wynn, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome to uh, Bat Force Radio, the Batman DC podcast with no limits. We are uh, coming at you with a nice jam-packed episode. We'll go around the roundtable real quick from uh, Canada. I've got Robin, Robone D-Cross, actually. <laughs> a boot. Over in New York, we got the Grumpler himself, Triple J. Joygasm. <laughs> Over in uh, Dallas, Texas, we got uh, Grandpa Batman. I-, I don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> I'm Bat Force Tom over in Southern California, and uh, we have got a laundry list of topics we're going to go over. We are going to get into uh, some reactions from the latest issue of Batman, issue 39. Uh, we covered it last week in the stack, but I mean, the internet is still blowing up. Uh, people are still uh, crying. People are still attacking Tom King. People are saying their childhood has been ruined. Um, and others are really happy, but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, as well as getting into, I think, the meteor topic of the night. We're going to talk about Batman Forever. Uh, we've been saying that we've been wanting to do this for the longest time, so tonight we're actually going to get into it. But to start things off, um, for some reason, lately in the news, Lindsay Lohan has been making it <laughs> extremely obvious that she wants to play Batgirl and the upcoming DC Films solo movie that uh, supported, proposedly has Joss Whedon attached to it. Um, I honestly can't remember where the hell she started talking about this, uh, but she got on, she was on the television uh, on the Wendy Williams show last week, and uh, we actually put up a video of that uh, over on the Bad Force Instagram account because... I think I fell into a black hole or a, a rabbit hole of the YouTube, looking up just clips of stuff, and uh, this is what I heard and saw Lindsay Lohan tell Wendy Williams. But then it distracts from actually maybe meeting with people to do Batgirl, and maybe meeting doing a Mean Girls too. It really distracts people. And then they- so she was talking about. Uh, they had asked her a question about how do you feel about your past? What do you feel like um, when people bring up the fact that you had a really troubled couple of years where you were doing drugs? It seemed like you were hitting everything that fucking moved in your car. Uh, you had to go to rehab. You had to do, uh, you know, you had to do public service to get time off your record or whatever. And she was making up this. She was basically saying. I don't like talking about my past because it's it distracts from what I want to do in my future. And one of those things might be, maybe I want to meet with people to talk about being Batgirl. Maybe I want to do Mean Girls too. Uh, so she's like legit thinking that she's got a shot. Or at least to meet 
with people from Warner's uh, to talk about Batgirl. And um, what do you <laughs> what do you guys think of all that? I think she I think, sounds uh, even should... more desperate than she was back in the day looking for her next hit. I mean, I don't like if this was like 10 years, man, that she's not even that old. If this was 10 years ago, like I wouldn't say no. I would be like, wow, okay, exactly. I can see that. Exactly. Like, well, that's another thing. Girl, girls era, Lindsay, like, sure, when she seemed like she had her life together. But when you've been such a train wreck in your public life for so long, it's really hard for people to want to risk that. Yeah. When you talk like this and you don't sound like Barbara Gordon. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she could do the voiceover for the armored bat suit, Batman. <laughs> you know? What if they had her? What if they had her on the Nolan film series as the voice of Batman? <laughs> she could. So that's she what could, that feels like. Yeah. What I'm if I want to be for Batman? I want to be Batgirl. What if I want to do Mean Girls too? Um. Uh, yeah. Poor Lindsay. I mean, she's been. It's all her. I mean, I I don't know. She has a, a shitty background. I know her dad's a piece of shit. I know her mom is like this fame whore who basically pimped her and her sister out. So she's had it rough since a young age. And uh, she was a child star. And no, none of there's hardly any child actors who turn out okay because there's so much pressure put on them at a young age, usually by their parents or the people who are supposed to be taking care of them and and making sure bad things aren't happening to them. But look. Look at Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, man. That guy snorted his life away. <laughs> but she, um, and not not just like the public train wrecks, because there are actors and there are movie stars who publicly are a mess, but they still have, you know, they're like functioning addicts. So they'll, yeah. be in a, they'll be a mess, you know, in public, but they'll still have like respected careers. So they have something to kind of hold them up. And a lot of times they clean their act up because of their career, because they want to continue um, making decent movies. She's not in that category, I don't think. Uh, Yeah, like, I I feel like I've heard about things she was involved with getting messed up because, you know, she wasn't showing up for filming or had to leave filming because she was drugged out or something. Big time. It's uh, it's hard to, to trust that. Well, yeah. okay, and then if you want to think about it from a business aspect, you know, Warner Brothers and DC have been getting all this shit for their DCU movies. Why would you want to take a risk on someone with, you know, that type of past on an iconic character that a lot of girls are going to look up to? You know, a lot of uh, young girls, a lot of, you know, uh, the com- the female comic uh, fan base, they're going to look up to her for that. So why would you, why would you take that risk? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it, it's such a fra- it's such a um, a fragile thing too right now. The DC Films universe where they're already. But what do I know? <laughs> well, they're they're already taking huge risks, just like continuing with these projects. So why would yeah. you add? And you someone... don't you don't want you don't want to cast anyone who is a serious risk for being an actual step down. From Alicia Silverstone's uh, <laughs> oh man performance with Uncle Al. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the thing is up, also okay. Suit me up, Uncle Al. You got to think of long term franchise because what if what if that Batgirl movie's a hit and they want two more? Well, can yeah. you depend on that person for the long term? Yeah, and she's got a saggy butt too. <laughs> <laughs> like let's get let's get down to the yeah, nitty gritty. Really, know, you know you know those butt shots in the suit are coming. 
That is sexist. I'm just saying you have to have a strong a strong rear to be able to like to do what Batgirl does. You got to get in the squat rack. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and and it's it's not even it's not even sexist because you saw that shot of the badass we got in Dawn of Justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he's in well, is it the extended cut when he's in the shower and he turns around? Yeah. I'm all about yeah. it. I'm all <laughs> about it. So uh no thank you, Lindsay. No thanks. Um Yeah, she, she can uh yeah, I, I think right now the pinnacle of Lindsay's career was Mean Girls and her appearance doing the crab walk on Family Guy. Oh and uh, I think we just keep our memories of her as as that. Yeah. Goodness. Um, all right. I think we can move aside now and uh, move over to. We talked about it in pretty in pretty good detail last week with Batman Thirty Nine, but uh, ever since Wednesday, just people have been going ape shit on Twitter over. Uh, if you guys have not read, if you're not in the know with the current books. Uh, Tom King with Joelle Jones on art. George, yeah, Jordy Belair. Jordy Belair. So did she do the she did the colors, right? Yes. Yes, yes, sir. Fantastic job, both the artist and the colorist on on that issue. But yeah, long story short, this issue of Batman Thirty Nine spoilers uh, was part three of the Super Friends arc, um, and Wonder Woman is brought into this issue, and she has a very close and intimate. Um, interaction with Batman that ends at the very end of the issue seemingly like they're about to kiss because from their perspective they've been trapped in this other realm of Gehenna for 10 years and they've had no outside contact. They think that they've been abandoned by the person that was supposed to come back for them. So as they're talking it's all that they think that they're ever going to know for the rest of their life. They don't know what else is going to be, you know, what else is out there. If they're ever going to leave, they, they're pretty sure they're going to die because you can't keep fighting this horde. And uh, they lean in really close to each other, and that's how the issue ends. Uh, with that, um, people have been, like, just losing their shit on Twitter mainly, attacking Tom King, saying how dare he, he stabbed him in the back. The worst, the absolute, I'll, I'll look it up. But there was uh, an example of just people who have been um, responding to that. He he came out on Twitter also after seeing like the the backlash and also the the fan support because there are people who are supporting it. Not maybe as many as are vocal as the people who are saying shame on you and shame on you. But there are people out there who are kind of um, helping you know spread the word that they actually like the issue. Yeah, the the worst of these tweets are the people who have not read the issue, but they just saw a screenshot of a panel and uh, decided that, you know, Tom murdered their mother. Yeah, just hilarious stuff. People, I mean, people literally attacked Tom King and some people went as far as to call this a very sexist uh, story and they didn't even realize that the interiors... were drawn by Joelle Jones, who's a female, and Jordi Belair, who's also a woman. So, I mean, you had two-thirds of the creative team on this book, which is pretty rare in a Batman book, that they had you know women artists and uh, working on the interiors. I, I can only think of a few other times that they actually had the main title of Batman drawn by a female artist. Mm-hmm. And not only and, that, uh, I mean, it was amazing art. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful art. And uh, <laughs> one, one, for anyone that's saying that, yeah, there, there were a few uh, 
tweets that I saw that were saying uh, it was a, uh, a sexist story, and they seem to have ignored the part earlier in the issue where Wonder Woman was saying that any men trying to fight look ridiculous to her. Because <laughs> well, they also their gender. They, they also ignored the nudity, the male nudity that offended me. <laughs> and they also ignored the fact of how much time and how smugly Selena is hanging out with this handsome stranger from another dimension. Mm-hmm. Mm. She didn't have to be there. That's true. Um, another thing that I've I've seen people are saying is uh, like Tom King has no mm. right to write bat or write Wonder Woman or. Tom yeah. King does not know how to write Wonder Woman, and they've also been saying James Robinson, who's currently writing uh, the Wonder Woman, yeah. so like uh, it's it's more apparent than ever that Tom King yeah. has no right to be writing the one. And it's like, listen, the only reason you're saying that is because you don't like the fact that he's potentially hinting at something between Diana and Batman, and you don't you dislike it. They're saying that they're using her as kind of like a sexual pawn. Uh, but what right. if fucking Wonder like that? That's disrespectful to say to the character at all, because like it's it's so unbelievable that Wonder Woman wouldn't be attracted to Batman. She's a fucking yeah. she's a, well, a person, you know. She's not one. Depending upon who you're talking to, human or not, probably not. But you know, like, I gave I gave a lot of thought to that, and I mean, I, I tried to see that point of view because I mean there there have been stories in the past, especially with like Superman, where it's almost like, you know, and I don't like, I don't ship Superman, Super Wonder Man Wonder and, and one, yeah, whatever that, that team is. I don't, I don't, I don't ship them. I'm a, I'm more of a Lois and Clark kind of guy. Uh, but I'm a Ren and Stimpy it, man myself, but Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Toast Man. but here's <laughs> the, here's the true fact. I love the fact that Tom King has brought kind of a sense of, um, human nature to the, to the characters. And I mean, let's be honest. You've got a guy who, I mean, Bruce Wayne is, he's a warrior. He's an athlete. He's, you know, he's really focused on one thing. I mean, yes, he's in this point in the story, he's engaged to Selena, but like you said, they're in this place where they've been doing this for an extended amount of time, you know, to them, it seems like years. He probably feels somewhat alone. And here's Diana. She's a warrior. She's athletic. And it's only human nature. After spending so much time in in situations, especially like crisis situations, where two people, you know, will kind of form a bond, and not just more than a bond, but actually, you know, more of a you know an attraction towards each other. And the adrenaline gets high after fighting off these monsters and things like that. There's going to be some sparks. I mean, people, athletic people and stuff like that, they love to do two things. And they both start with F, fighting oh, well. and, you know, whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's human nature. So, you know, if <laughs> yeah. people, people want to get offended, you know, also look at this point. Here's this point. He didn't make Selena a passive partner in this it wasn't like she was the damsel in distress that that bruce had to come rescue she was fully in control of what she wanted to do and how she wanted to express it so she was an equal partner in 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 whatever is going to happen but this um that scene 
kind of reminded me a lot of I've been going back and reading um, the Bendis Malieve uh, books in Daredevil, mm. and there's a there's a story I think it's in sixty one or sixty two where um, uh, Black Widow comes back. She's called out of the field to to go into hiding, and she goes to Matt Murdock where you know they used to be in kind of an item, and they go out and they take down some bad guys. And they go back to his uh, apartment. Uh-oh. Well, at this at, at this time in the story, he's married. He's married to a blind woman named Mila, and they're they're estranged at this point. She he's pissed her off. They're on a break. She, they're on a break. She's okay. filed for an annulment. Oh God. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. She's filed for an annulment. She's she's like done with him. And but in his mind and in in his heart. He hasn't agreed to the annulment yet. So they come back to his apartment after fighting some bad guys. And, you know, the moment they get swept up in the moment. But then he stops her and he kind of has a moment where he's uh, he realizes um, I still have feelings for, for Mila. And I, in my heart, I'm still married. So this kind of reminded me of that scene where it's like, you know, hey, the last, last frame, it shows them... Um, kind of leaning into each other it leads us to what's going to happen next but i I think it's going to be one of those moments where bruce has a realization of what his you know true affections are and what his true character is but you know it's just my opinion i i uh you made a great point earlier when you said gramps which you mentioned how um one thing that tom king has done this super friends arc that everyone has been fucking throwing roses at him and praising him for is making Superman more human, making Batman more human, and Lois and Selina, like, showing their human parts, showing their, just, you know, going to a theme park on a date, right? They're they're showing a side of these characters that you don't normally ever see. They're making them, um, you know, you're showing them the weaknesses, basically. You're showing the, right. the weaknesses, their faults. So he does that with Superman, with Wonder Woman, or I'm sorry, with Superman, with Lois, with Selina, Batman. Everyone fucking loves him for it. He does it for one issue with Wonder Woman, and everyone loses their fucking minds. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, do we really want a boring, stale relationship? Further, further to the uh, the point of them, you know, we have no reason to believe that they have any comprehension of the difference in time passage. You know, so uh, as we said, they as far as they feel. They've been there for what they say is at least 10 years. Yeah. And they feel like they'll be there forever. So the flip side of that is obviously this wasn't the first time they, they stopped fighting and got to think about things. You know, they, mm-hmm. between battles, they have time to, to contemplate things. So I'm sure Bruce is also thinking that it was, we've been alone here for at least 10 years. That means in his mind, Selena has been without him out there for yeah. ten years, and also they don't just have pizza. Railed. There. I mean, they're kind of delirious. <laughs> they don't have pizza. <laughs> that, they can't think straight. True. They can't what? think straight. They're in a moment of weakness. And someone on Twitter made an excellent point. Um, you know, because I put out um, first. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Because yeah, because Twitter is is a shithole. But. Um, 
they they made a they made a really good point, and um, I I kind of threw out you know this little facade about you know oh because comic relationships are real important to get all worked up about and all this shit, and they replied and said you know Bruce and Selena actually don't have a healthy relationship. I mean they're they're two damaged people, and two damaged people yeah. don't really come together to make a healthy relationship. Exactly. I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And that was it, a very good point. Yeah. You know, because and, it's it's destined to fail. Sorry, Tom, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, Tom King highlights that uh, number one with the previous issue. Uh, I know you didn't you didn't like it too much. You said Gramps, but that whole issue, the whole point of the issue was to show how fucked up Bruce Wayne is at his core. The very last page or the very last panel being, you're just you're just. Um, you're just a messed up kid with no. You're just a messed up kid with dead parents, and then the little boy looks at him and goes, "Well, isn't that what? Isn't that what all Bruce Wayne is?" And so Bruce comes back to Wayne Manor thinking about that, and, and he it just fucked with him. And he looks up at Selina, and at the first panel when he sees Selina, he smiles, and then he's got that in his head, and then he looks up and sees Selina, and he's not smiling anymore because he realizes who he is, and he realizes what he's bringing into that relationship. So that was the first thing that's that's how tom king highlights that the first time now in this issue i think a lot of people again have met because all they fucking care about is how many panels selena's in and they can take little screenshots of that and throw it up on twitter well it's like uh, the people commenting all they do is flip through the pages and go to the selena pages then they flip through the more i mean it's just like come on yeah it's like you're picking out you're picking out like the pepperoni and you're not eating the whole pie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Disrespectful. Yeah. If I could just comment yeah. on what you just said, Tom, about uh, 38, like, yeah, I, none of this, what, he, what this billionaire Bruce Wayne does, it's not normal. Like, no. <laughs> there's no billionaires running around doing that sort of thing. So you have to be, you know, first of all, fucked up in the head to do this sort of thing. Uh, and, and you can't expect people like that to have a normal relationship. Yeah. But I think they they are the best for each other because they are both messed up people, and neither of them are going to have a very good relationship with regular non messed up people. They're kind of yeah. They're so kind they, of they both know they know how messed they both know how messed up the other one is, and yeah, that yeah. helps them be together. Where you know, exactly. and, and any all the people who are pushing for the. Uh, Batman Wonder Woman relationship. How is that a better relationship? One guy who's a mess because his parents were murdered when he was a kid, and the other one is basically immortal. Uh, what? How is that relationship getting? That means that means he gets older. She stays the same age. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hey, uh, this is one thing I noticed. This is one thing I noticed on that last page. I mean, this is just me, but Joel Jones drew Bruce to look very much like John Hamm. Oh. And he, you know, he almost like straight from Mad Men. And I was like, you know, that that is something John Hamm would do. He would be that asshole like that and do that. But <laughs> do what? Uh, you know, what it's just kind of, you know, he's 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 an engaged guy, but you know, he's but. betrothed, but he would Probably make oh, a move. You mean Don Draper? Well, that's my problem with the whole thing. I, nothing happened. And yeah. This issue, yeah, exactly. Happened. Yeah, but so nothing not, happened. Everybody's talking about. Well, what are we talking about? Physically, nothing happened. Yet people are still no, fucking it, up it, in arms. 
Yeah, it appears he's gone for a kiss, but it may or may not be. And that that so, speaks that speaks more to the way the reader is interpreting it than anything else. Exactly. Also, 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 you know, to your point, it's a matter of uh, depth perception because mm-hmm. to me, Bruce is really close. She's kind of further back, looking over and stoking the fire. And he's a little bit more in the forefront. I don't yeah. know. I, that's just the way what, I saw it. What if you pan out? <laughs> what if you pan out and it shows he's leaning into in, leaning into Diana, you know, really close. But then you pan out and you realize he's just reaching over to kind of like stoke the fire to make sure that it stays warm. And then that's he's all like, I'm exactly. saying it's, it's, it's depth <laughs> perception there. But uh, I, I I think I, I, Grumps, you you tweeted a great tweet. Let me see if I can bring it up real quick. Um, I think I retweeted it over on the Bad Force. If I didn't, I should, but. Uh, where is it here? You says, he says to them, you says, Batman 39 brought out the worst in comic book fans. Entitlement. That's absolutely true. Because there is, uh, I found the comment that I was looking for initially of uh, the individual who tweeted at Tom King. So this guy, so Tom King, uh, like you guys mentioned, had written and probably had this prepared knowing that people were going to freak out. He says, uh, gotten a lot of feedback on Batman 39. Just want you all to know, I hear what you're saying. I respect it and I appreciate it. Your passion for these characters and these books is inspiring and humbling. You are forever teaching me how to be a better writer. Thank you. And this little shit stain (laughs) decides to write this. Feedback. People who've been punching bags, who had their hopes and feelings twisted and used against them, trusted you and you betrayed that trust. That's not being a bad or good writer. It's being a crappy person. (laughs) And, like, I just, I read that and I I fucking wanted to, like, jump off a fucking cliff. Now, to to that guy, uh, if you happen to hear this somehow... Could you please DM us a picture and show us on a doll where Tom King hurt you? <laughs> I, I, I would really like to see. Yeah. Oh, man. So then I respond by saying, uh, congrats on winning the award for most juvenile reaction of the day. And then I included a gif of, uh, of uh, Drake from Degrassi laughing in a wheelchair. <laughs> Um, but was, that's, was, that's what was the author of that tweet possibly remember years ago that guy did that leave Britney alone video. Oh God. What uh, was are we name? sure? Are we sure this wasn't that guy? <laughs> oh, what was that guy's leave name? Alone. Yeah. Chris talking. Crocker, Chris Crocker. No, this person, I'm not going to read their handle, but this person is, um, all they do is retweet. They don't even like tweet. They just retweet everything. Uh, they like, and they retweet. That's all they do. They don't even have like their own opinion. I don't know. It's, it's a troll. It's a troll account. It's like seventy followers, seventy seventy um, uh, people they're following. But um, yeah, good point. Everyone seems to think that they fucking own these characters and that uh, Tom King shouldn't be allowed to do this. I I cannot wait for everyone who's talking shit to write their Wonder Woman story or their Batman or Catwoman oh, yeah. story because it's going to be phenomenal compared to how badly they're critiquing everything. Well, I I just thought it was unfair that, um, and I'll be honest, a lot of it came from the female fan base. They literally attacked very young female the family. character of, of of Tom King, and I was just like, you know what? I mean, first I, I kind of had to take a step back and see things from their perspective, but then objectively had to read the book and read the story, and then do some research and see that oh, look who the art team is. This is a very uh, 
empowering book, actually. So I don't see where the, the fuck their problem is. And and anyone yeah. who knows Tom King, you know, on any level personally, you know that Tom is half female. <laughs> so the, he's this, a sweet this guy. Book was, he's a was cool mostly guy. Yeah. female. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, a guy with a, a you know a daughter or and, two daughters. Uh, I think he's he might like have four two. kids. He, he's having a, uh, he's having I, kids right now. <laughs> he doesn't stop. It's, yeah, it's, it's either two girls and a boy or two boys and a girl. But yeah. we we also have to uh, remember where the source of most of this complaining is. Twitter yeah. is yeah. basically to shit the land. It's the land. Yes, it's the land of knee jerk reactions and soapboxing, which yeah. I contribute uh, to. I'm guilty of. The far left. Like uh, Twitter is. <laughs> It's it's a platform for complaining. So yeah, what about the alt left? What about thing? the Twitter alt left? Okay, what about the Twitter alt left? <laughs> there's good people on both sides. It's a good point because there are. Let's you know. There's. I don't want to get into all the negative tweets because there's so many. Just just go to hashtag Batcat. Laugh for hours. I did. You'll have yourself a good laugh. Uh, I think Wednesday afternoon I was reading through these tweets. I, I was screenshotting a lot of them and sending them to you guys. Yeah. Just fucking laughing my ass off at all these people who like we tr- we trusted you, Tom. We trusted you, Tom King. How 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 dare you, Tom King? This is the one thing I have going after I was. You know, it was like people just talking about coming out of fucking first period, and um, you know they read the digital copy and they lose their shit and then. You know, homeroom is ruined for them. They can't handle it. But, uh, <laughs> but there and then are... they get their lunch money stolen. <laughs> exactly. There are some good people who um, are fans, young fans, you know, young fans, old fans, whatever. This is a really cool female that... Uh, I just say female because I know we mentioned earlier that a lot of the backlash seems to come from young female fans. There are some level-headed, uh, of all genders and ages fans, this just happens to be... Um, a female. Her name is uh, Canon Chick. Uh, I told her I'd read out some of her things, but um, after she she was like really worried about the issue to begin with. She wasn't sure what people were saying, and uh, Tuesday, early Tuesday, maybe even Monday, people were already freaking out because of the previews. And she was asking a lot of questions. Is like, why is everyone freaking out? What's going on? What's in the issue? I, I need to know. After she read the issue, she had a couple good points. Um, one thing she brought up is she thinks the gentleman is hiding something. Um, from obviously he's hiding the notion of how much time and how it passes from Bruce and Diana, but she seems to think that he's got something like a another motive, possibly that he was like using them to not come back at all. Um, so she doesn't uh-huh. trust him, which is a, an interesting point. Maybe that's uh, he's setting them up. Um, and then she also mentioned uh, her bigger point was um, the real problem of the, of the, she's mainly talking about the backlash on Twitter. The real problem of the backlash was using Diana. Had this been some random ex or woman Bruce knew from his past, there wouldn't be any controversy. Which is a good point. I think that uh, it would be interesting to see if they use somebody else. And because it's such a iconic Wade figure who people are just like knee-jerk reaction, like you guys say, to having anything with Bruce, they're just going to flip out for no reason. Um... She also mentioned that uh, another hidden problem is that the hardcore shippers probably think that Bruce would never forget Selena or want to be with someone else, even if he hadn't seen her in 10 years. Uh, (laughs) She says, although I don't condone cheating or think Bruce would cheat, I do believe that King will be able to walk back. 
I think King is going to take Batcat in some highs and more lows than some hardcore shippers were probably expecting or wanting. Regular fans and casual supporters of the relationship are fine and not worried because they know, like me, that in the end of the end, Batman and Catwoman always gravitate back to one another. Um, and you, and she says, you can say that came from a, from a wonder girl, uh, I think is what she mentioned. Mm-hmm. So that's coming from, uh, like a wonder, a wonder woman fan. Um, I think we should probably also read real quick. Our good friend, uh, uh, cats and bats. She had a really great point. Uh, where is he? Here I, it is. I think what you meant to say there was cats and bats. Cats and bats from <laughs> Chicago. So yeah. she tweeted, and this is she is more along the term. She is more friendly to uh, bad cats. So this is a Catwoman Batman fan. She happens to be a member of the Cat Force. So you kind of see where her allegiance lies, anyways. Um, but she tweeted out, "I just finished Batman thirty nine, and this bad cat fan says, well done. I can't wait to see what happens in forty at Tom King." Uh, she also said, oh, God. Uh, well, while you look for that, remember when we had Tom King on the show before Rebirth started, so before anyone had read a single issue of, of his Batman, uh, Tom said to us that his goal was to make comic books like uh, Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, where you went, as soon as you leave the house on Monday... Anywhere you go, if you walk into a store, if you walk into work, people are going to be talking about Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, whatever was on the night before. He wanted comic books to be like that. The day after the comics come out, he wanted you to walk into work or walk into the comic shop. Everyone was going to be talking about the the issue that came out yesterday. Nice. And Christ, if he didn't... (laughs) Deliver. If he didn't make that happen. Yeah, nailed it. And it happened before... Before the issue even came out, yeah, it, well, it was it was already going crazy. When we got the books, I, I I think I was one of the first ones to read it, and I tweeted out that you know people are gonna wonder about fans are gonna go crazy over this. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people on Twitter were calling for Tom to be taken off the book because they were oh so God. disappointed by what. Yeah, the uh, the number of tweets that you're putting out about the issue are guaranteeing that he stays yeah, on the book. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't think you guys understand how it works. I mean, how oh, dare the deal was just sitting in his office and sees all these tweets. <laughs> oh, my God, Tom, come in here. Come, Tom, look at these. Look at that cat, the hashtag on Twitter. Look at this. 4,000 different tweets in the last hour, all talking about your book. <laughs> they want you to get off the book. Guess what? We're putting you on for another two years, Tom. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. <laughs> it's going to sell out, Tom. I'm going to go four editions. Easy. Out the door. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We'll, we'll just raise the price by a dollar. Instead of two ninety nine, we'll three dollars What do you think, Tom? Huh? <laughs> make make a, make a hundred thousand in a month. Huh? What do you think? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's, a, it's a guaranteed banger. Oh, uh, it's it's so fitting. Right now, you're as you're doing the Dan DiDio impression. Falco Kick is tweeting at the Bat Force, and he is the biggest fan of the DiDio impressions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, what's funny is that that's exactly. <laughs> That is all fitting. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, Didio has never been happier. Well, he's I mean I mean he's probably as happy as he was uh when Rebirth came out and when Metal went big. Re- he he didn't, you know, there was so much um doubt about Rebirth. There was so much doubt about Metal. Uh, I'm sure people are having doubts about Tom King and it's just like boom, boom, knocking it out of the fucking park. So, oh, I found a uh, 
So Cats and Bats on Instagram says, I like that people are talking about this book. What I don't like is people slut-shaming Wonder Woman and being cruel to Tom King because he gasps, dares to create tension and conflict in his story. Yeah. So yeah. She gets it. Um, also, got, I mean, it wouldn't be... Uh, boring. Wouldn't be a good uh, comic book uh, Bat Force uh, episode if we didn't give a shout-out to Dan Nashcat. But uh, Dan Nashcat, I love the fact that Nash is a pretty hardcore Batcat fan, um, very emotional, very uh, loyal, and uh, she is known to go on Twitter rants. The funniest thing is that at the early part of this week, or the later end of last week, she says, I heard issue 39 is Wonder Bat issue. I'm not going to be picking it up. Within hours of that tweet, I want to say within 24 to 36 hours, she had tweeted a picture of herself with the issue on her lap. Um, then she read it, and then she said, okay, not bad, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reserve my, so even the most hardcore, uh, Bad Cat fan that we know has kind of turned the corner, which is saying a lot for how good Tom King is at writing. Um, I, want, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of pages in this book, please. actually, where, where the conflict is created. Um, because I was one of the people saying that these shippers, uh, you know, have trouble with reading comprehension. Um, there's a part where Wonder Woman's like taking a bath or, sh you know, whatever, and she says, you miss her. Yes, you must, I think, however long it has been, how can you not? And uh, she's doing this, saying all this while she's bathing herself and she's saying, you, you love her, you will marry her. And here you are without her with me and it's the shot of you know front shot of wonder woman you know, and did you uh, read that it. in gal gadot's accent i could that's what i want to know i could mm -hmm. yeah. i would have had to change my pants <laughs> yeah i as just so you know at full disclosure as you were reading it i was picturing gal's voice coming out of your mouth <laughs> holy crap if she did like a, a digital audiobook oh my god That'd be amazing. <laughs> so whoever is going to go to uh a convention anytime soon where Gal is doing a Q&A, please have her read that dialogue out loud. Yeah. You know, I wish they had just like digital books where their lips moved and it had like the actor's voice doing it. If, even if they just had that, that'd be awesome. Anyway, like back movie. to your point, James. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, no worries. So, I mean, he's it's creating this conflict because, you know, she's saying you're here with me and, and, here, here you go, you turn the page, and Batman's getting choked out by this God knows what kind of alien. And then she says, oh, I'm sorry, Batman, did you need help? And he's like, no, I, 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 he's choking the dust here, so he's not even paying attention to what she's saying. <laughs> well, she did she's that, just, you know, kind of tauntingly also. It was like, oh, did you need help? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> more than likely can't hear what she's saying because he's, you know, dying right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way that the certain words are influence you know i think you do need help you know and he's like he's like ah <laughs> so yeah i mean reading comprehension guys and while he's dying you know there's selena in bat burger chomping on a double double mm -hmm. with this mysterious handsome stranger with a and that was, sex, that was sexy beard huh there was some good dialogue in on that page as well the, the mm -hmm. guy says um is a good man. Selena says, I hope so. And then he says, you are his wife. She says, no, to be. He says, why would you marry a man if you can only hope that he is good? For real. Right. And what? she's silent. Yeah. Dude, that look that she gives him is like, 
Wow. Yeah. And the next line is, come on, you don't have that much time. And what have we been talking about? The concept of time in this book. Mm -hmm. He's like, bitch, you have no idea I got all the time in the world. (laughs) 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 You don't even know. Slip on this strawberry milkshake. Take a little more time. (laughs) I I think uh, the main point out of this issue is... um, you have to you have to give the writer room to show you what he's doing, and Tom King is not writing this issue as a one shot. He's not writing this issue as a, a means to piss people off. He's building tension and he's building on, he's building onto the relationship of Bruce and Selena, and he's kind of showing a struggle not just on Bruce's end. Why the fuck didn't anyone go off on Selena? When he asked her, uh, "How would you? Why would you marry someone that you only hope to be good?" Right? How is that not a point for people to freak the fuck out over? Yeah. They they're they're really they're really big on the the wonder bad thing, but they don't stop to think like Selena doesn't know what the you know she's getting into something and she still doesn't a hundred percent know if it it should be right or not. Well, yeah, she I mean, he, to he, his defense. He, Tom King created a crack there. Yeah. Know? A, yeah. a chink in the armor, then, you know, to the foundation. Well, like you were saying, it's been there. He just highlighted it. Yeah. So, anyways, um, as far as as far as the the last few issues that Tom King has been writing, uh, I loved it just because of, like the medieval shit. That that uh, armor is badass. Um, the art's Dude, amazing. Let's get um, an action figure of that uh, armored up Batman. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, for sure. That would be sick with like removable armor, snap on armor. As as ridiculous as he looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Someone someone actually made a For good sure. point. Uh, they were saying today if that was like Tom King taking a or joking around with Snyder and the the metal crew. Oh, maybe. You know, putting Batman in this ridiculous armor. Feeling like he's no. left out. So he's got <laughs> he's got to get in on the metal action. I can see that. But, um, That's their little inside joke. That's pretty, pretty observant. Yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, Batman Thirty Nine before we move on to the uh, main event? Yeah. Uh, in general, chill the fuck out until you know what's happening with the story. Damn. Yeah. You know, don't read the setup and then freak out about it. Exactly. exactly. Does, it, does anybody feel that Thirty Nine is a oh. little out of place oh. in this story? We are well. We are joined by Legends of Lego Batman himself, ladies and gentlemen. Seeing this is a little out of place. I, I just don't see how this fits in the whole Super Friends um, trade or story arc so far. It's kind of like just thrown in there in the middle. I think I think it serves uh, as we were see- saying earlier. He's humanizing the different aspects of Superman and Batman, and this is uh, a way of him humanizing Wonder Woman in the sense that. Um, he makes them feel mortal. He makes her feel mortal with kind of understanding the essence of time, having kind of like a, um, a respect for time, whether it be for herself or for Bruce. And uh, if you want to say that she's seducing or if she's being tempted herself by Bruce, that's another way that she's showing her human side is that. Well, yeah, I mean, it brings out the human nature in all of them. And even even Selena, whenever that guy, uh, you know, says what he says in the restaurant, you can see how she just stares back like either he's right or 
damn, I really fucking hate this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. She had never considered it. She thinks he's flawless up until that point. Yeah. Or or or, or she thinks that nobody can figure her out. Uh, like like uh, like he can? Yeah. No one can figure out Selena like Batman can? Yeah. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit too. Robin was saying how um they like fit well together because they've gone both through their own, you know, form of trauma. So nobody else out there can understand them as well as they can understand each other. So um but yeah, I mean, I think I think uh it's e- I think it's easy to say we all really enjoyed the issue, right? Yeah. I don't think anybody hated it. Yeah, I enjoyed the issue. Yeah. So go out and pick up uh, Batman 39 and uh, judge for yourselves. Don't listen to any of the bullshit on Twitter, whether it be good or bad. Uh, just judge for yourself. I think a lot of the cool parts of it is that people who, uh, you know, hardcore Batcat or Wonder Bat fans, it's cool to see the ones who are are lighthearted about it, aren't taking themselves too seriously, and actually enjoying reading a fucking comic book instead of, you know, coming out with their pitchforks. So A quick uh, comment on the art on this uh, this story arc. The uh, the artist is really great on the expressions on the faces and the different emotions versus yeah. uh, different artists or you're like your classic comic artists. Some of them, you know, they're just kind of got your one, two, three different facial expressions. But this one is really well at showing different um, expressions. I yeah, think. the art's been killer. Super killer. Um, all right. So let's move on over to the, uh, the main course. Um, I think a, a way of introducing it is it might seem kind of random and out of nowhere that we're talking about Batman Forever, but it's kind of like in the um, general feeling of what's going on right now with the DCU and the films. Um, Justice League came out, and a lot of people... It's split down the middle, I think. Uh, 50-50. People either liked it or hated it, whatever. And uh, I've seen a couple of times people say that it feels like a... It feels kind of like where the Batman movies were... Uh, maybe after Batman Returns, and Tim Burton had stepped down, uh, Michael Keaton had stepped down, but they were still choosing to go forward with the franchise, so there was a lot of things kind of like up in the air, um, a lot of things weren't certain, but there's, it's weird because, you know, they're still having the dude that plays Alfred come back, Tim Burton's attached as a producer, um, the studio's bringing in a new director, they're saying that it's going to be the same timeline and storyline and all that stuff but uh so i've seen a lot of people say that like oh my god this feels like just what happened right before uh, warner brothers ruined the last set of batman movies the first ones and to that i say nay um <laughs> because i don't feel that that uh, franchise was 100 percent ruined i think you guys would agree i don't feel that that franchise was 100 percent ruined until batman and robin um, Batman and Robin was like the fucking kiss of death or like the sword to the heart that was like, nah, we're killing this thing dead. Um, Batman Forever came about in, uh, a really weird way. It was, uh, 1993, 1994, 1993 when it was going into, uh, pre-production. Um, the studio was not happy with the fact that Batman Returns didn't make as much money as the original Batman. And I think I saw a number, it was like $150 million short of what the uh, overall um, money that Batman 89 made. So back in the day, that's actually a significant number, of, uh, significant, significant number. So the studio is looking at, like, what did we do wrong? So they're kind of seeing Batman Forever as like a misstep. Um, more so in, in the fact that they were not able to make as much money. Not, not really caring about 
plot or um, tone or performance. What they said was they thought, because they got so many complaints from parents, that it was too dark and it was too mature. And uh, there's like sexual innuendo through the entire movie. Um, so I think it turned off a lot of parents to taking kids to go see it possibly multiple times. And um, maybe the toys that they were marketing for the movie weren't uh, selling as well. But it and it essentially led Warner Brothers to decide to rewrite or to write a script that was a little bit more toned down. So what they did is they write this script or they have this idea and they bring Tim Burton in and they're like, all right, Tim, you know, we like what you did with the first two, but we're going to change the direction now. And here's what we're going to do. You're going to be a producer on. Well, actually, Tim Burton was presented with the script and he read it and he saw what they were going to do. And he's like, you know what? Um, not for me. Um, I'll be attached to it. I'll help you guys out in like meetings and stuff with with you know, production, you know, uh, a production gig. But I, I don't want to I don't want to do this one. Plus, I have this other movie I want to work on. I'd rather have my time go there. So Tim Burton decides not to come back as the director. That then leads to Michael Keaton, who was offered $15 million back in 1993 Dang. to do this movie. He says no to $15 million. He says nay. He says nay. Because uh, his big, I think, red flag was that Tim Burton stepped out. So he doesn't like the fact that the director that he respected working with has decided to not direct. Then he reads the script, and uh, he's been quoted recently in the last couple of years as saying, I read the script, and it sucked. So at the, whatever script or phase he read, he did not like it. So he was out. He completely said no. He wanted nothing to do with it, and he's gone. That kind of led um, the studio to kind of go a little bit crazy. They had already decided to bring in Joel Schumacher uh, to, uh, to be the director, and uh, Joel Schumacher, when he came on, uh, he actually wanted to do Batman Year One. So he was thinking that he could probably do his own thing, and he pitched a Year One storyline to the studio, and they were like, no, we don't want to start all over again. We want to continue on with what we've done. We just want to improve on it. And what they thought was a, lot, a more lighthearted tone, uh, to borrow a little bit from the 66 television show, and... Um, to borrow a little bit from uh, the, I think they said, the Silver Age of comics. Um, so that's what they kind of started doing with that. At the time uh, when Michael Keaton wasn't coming back on, I swear these are the people that <laughs> they were looking at for Batman. Uh, Billy Baldwin, uh, Ethan Hawke, Daniel Day-Lewis, Johnny Depp uh, for Batman. And then... Uh, they had already written the script that they wanted to include Robin. So initially, they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play Robin. Um, no, nay, nay. I take it back. They had they had already fucking hired Marlon Wayans to play Robin. Yeah, that that was uh, when it was Tim Burton's uh, yeah. vision. Uh, Schumacher, his his vision of it didn't jive with uh, with having Wayans in there. Yeah. So so Marlon Wayans meets with. Uh, the studio he meets with the casting he signs on not only for batman part three but for whatever sequel they were going to do after it um so he would have been batman and batman forever and batman and robin little baby legends doesn't like that um so <laughs> what's fucked up is after they cast him after he's already signed on um 
Joel Schumacher comes on and decides he doesn't want Marlon Wayans to be in it. They still had to pay Marlon Wayans as if he was in this fucking movie. Um, so they basically had to buy him out of his contract. Um, they met with Leonardo DiCaprio. He said he didn't want to do it. Yeah, and he then, didn't like for, uh, Schumacher's uh, direction, I believe. Yeah, he met with Schumacher, and he said no. So who knows what the fuck they did in that meeting or what he, what he showed him. Um, but he steps out, and that's when Chris O'Donnell signs on. Uh, they were talking about having Billy Baldwin, Ethan Hawke, Daniel Day Lewis, Johnny Depp. But uh, somewhere along the line, Val Kilmer gets offered the role without reading the script or even knowing who's directing. He said yes. So Val Kilmer was just like, fuck it, I'll do it. Um, another note it says here is that they wanted to draw the MTV generation into this movie, uh, which makes total sense considering all the lights and all the uh, the, the visuals they kind of put in there. It totally looks like an MTV and, fucking set. And also why they gave Dick an earring. It, it was, <laughs> it was to make him more hit. And sideburns. There you go. So yeah, so that's kind of what went into the uh, pre-production of it. Also, the screenwriters... Um, they felt that what the original two movies were missing was the psychology of Batman and the dichotomy of Batman and Bruce Wayne and how those two are kind of fighting to be the same person. So that's why there's like such a play on of the psychology in the movie um, where it's not just a story about Bruce Wayne or I'm sorry, it's not just a story about Batman and Batman's in it, but it's kind of like a fight of Bruce Wayne trying to fight through this persona of Batman. So that's like a heavy plot point in the movie. Um, so they filmed the thing. They got uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face when uh, they were going to originally have Billy D. Williams, uh, re, you know, reprise his role, but they went with with uh, Billy or did I say Billy D. Williams? Tommy Lee Jones reprise his role. Um, Jim Carrey gets signed on for the Riddler, and they had been talking to Robin Williams, but that fell through. So Jim Carrey gets cast, and that's when this is like after. Uh, this is after Dumb and Dumber. This is after The Mask. And I'm pretty sure it's in between two of the Ace Ventura movies. So this is Jim Carrey at his fucking 90s peak. So he probably was the most well-known person in this movie going into it. Um, there's even like, there's even, actually he said in a Norm MacDonald interview, there used to be a Norm MacDonald uh, internet show. And he told Norm MacDonald that Tommy Lee Jones fucking hated him. Mm-hmm. And didn't like him, and didn't want him to be in the movie, and uh, was a dick to him like throughout the whole process. So that was kind of interesting. Um, there was also notes that Val Kilmer was like an asshole and like a prima donna on the set, and him and Joel Schumacher weren't getting along. So just a little background information before we get into it. But um, if you guys haven't seen Batman Forever, it's on Netflix right now. There's no reason why you shouldn't go watch Batman. Go watch Batman Returns. Go watch Batman Forever. Stop right there, because you don't need to go any further. Um, the quick plot point for Batman Forever is, um, after Batman Returns, Two-Face is introduced, and Two-Face's motivation is basically to kill and expose Batman, because he blames Batman for disfiguring his face and ruining his life. At the same time, there's this uh, Edward Nigma working at uh, Wayne Enterprises, who's got this idea for a revolutionary... Um, mind-reading device that allows you to see things 3D, which you would normally see in t- on television. You can see and smell and have just this heightened uh, sense of reality. Um, Bruce Wayne says no, and uh, in a kind of a chain of events, it leads to Enigma getting fired. Um, he kills his boss, uh, and then he kind of goes into hiding to become the Riddler. 
Um, at the same time, Bruce Wayne goes to the circus, and that's where he sees the Flying Graysons. Uh, Two-Face attacks the circus. Do they even say why? Or is he just being a fucking... Oh, he's trying to expose Batman. He says uh, he won't kill or he won't do anything if Batman shows up and, and exposes himself and tells him who he really is or something like that. Um, Bruce isn't able to do it, and uh, the Flying Graysons all die except for Little Dick. Or grown-up Dick, whatever. Yeah, you want well, to say. well, he's uh, yeah, his his family gets killed while he's in the process of saving the day because Two Face had that bomb, and uh, right, he yeah. takes it out through the roof. You know that perfectly yeah. placed uh, hole in the in the top of the roof that the, the, was you know bomb sized at the circus, <laughs> and he uh, that can hold that can hold a huge bay. metal ball. Yeah. This movie made me want sideburns so bad <laughs> because. Uh, Dick has him. His dad has him. He's got a brother in this too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a younger brother who's. Ha- so I was like, man, I gotta get some sideburns. And the, 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 um, the so guy that's... doesn't get talked about. Uh, he was a regular stunt performer that worked in a lot of things, but the guy that played Dick's father in this was perfect. Yeah, he do, he totally looked really good for it. And and like there, sure. he he doesn't really have dialogue, you know, uh, of of any importance. But there's just a part where he just gives Dick this look, and you know, it just it looks like yeah that that's his fault. Yeah. Um, throughout the whole thing too, they've introduced a new character, uh, a psychiatrist named Dr. Chase Meridian, and uh, she is the focal point for the plot element of the psychology of Batman, and how uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman are kind of fighting within the same body. Um, so she's kind of that driving force for that theme of the movie. And throughout the movie, it's showing you what I kind of, I mean, we'll get into it in the review kind of part of it, but it shows a lot more of like how Batman has, how Bruce Wayne has PTSD Mm -hmm. and how, uh, little events trigger memories that he remembers and also memories that he doesn't remember. So that's a big thing too, is flashbacks of the murder of his parents, um, he a glass of red wine falls on the floor and he immediately flashes back to seeing roses fall um so that's kind of what the character of dr chase meridian is kind of the vehicle for she's also the love interest of him throughout the movie which kind of causes tension because she's both the love interest of batman and bruce wayne and uh, bruce is very much wanting her to want bruce wayne and not batman um at the circus two-face kills the the flying graysons all except for dick which leads to dick being super pissed off and wanting to go after Two-Face and kill him. Uh, it shows Bruce back at Wayne Manor, uh, taking him in as his ward, or at least, at least attempting to, when Dick is just kind of reluctant to take any help. He thinks he can just do it all on his own. Nobody understands who he is. He's going to ride his motorcycle and take on Two-Face alone. Um, Bruce is explaining to him, if you do that, you're never going to find, you're never going to find peace. You're always going to be chasing this madman. You're always going to be chasing this evil that, that you can never find. And it's, your sadness will turn to anger and it will consume you. And in doing that, he kind of questions his own reality and purpose of being Batman. And he goes back and forth of whether he should hang up the cowl or continue being this character who he feels like has gotten away from him, in a sense. Um, Alfred is kind of like, uh, as always, helping him through that. And he's pushing Bruce to be happy. So he pushes Bruce to go talk to uh, Dr. Chase Meridian. By, by saying, um, don't, don't make me do it. Don't make me bring another woman to the Batcave. <laughs> don't make me make you fuck her. Do not. 
so Bruce goes over to talk to Dr. Chase Meridian to talk about, you know, the, sh- the shit that's on his mind, his PTSD, basically, and how he wants to be Batman, but he realizes it isn't healthy for him. As he's doing that, um, Dick parkours his way into the Batcave. Um, I want to say this is probably the first time we've seen parkour in a major motion picture. I could be wrong, but I think Dick Grayson actually invented it in, in, in uh, major media. So uh, he steals the Bat... I love this fucking scene. When he steals the Batmobile and he drives off into <laughs> Gotham City and he takes on uh, the street gang of uh, fucking uh, glow stick Neon gang. Um, <laughs> yeah, he tries to go after a bunch of ravers and I don't know, you they're just minding their own EDC? business. And he... Yeah, he, he goes in there and he just starts busting their ass for no reason like a dickhead. You know, they're just trying to pop acid and pop uh, ecstasy and molly and they're trying to have a good time and love on each other and here comes a little fucking dick being an asshole. Um, Bruce Wayne saves him and then that's when Dick freaks out on him and saying like it should have been you, you should have been there to help them, blah blah blah. Of course he knows at this point that Bruce Wayne's Batman. Back to the Batcave, um, Robin wants him to accept him as his partner, he wants him to help him. Um, we get a sweet Nightwing name drop. Um, we we saying all these things about like yeah, we let's let us not overlook karate laundry please. <laughs> yes yes sorry about that karate laundry probably one of the top five <laughs> highlights of this film is uh, he's deciding to stay with uh, he's 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 on to Bruce a little bit so he's staying only because he's 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 like there's something really weird about this big ass mansion and this lonely guy that lives in it I don't think this guy wants to <laughs> fuck me. But I think there's something else about him that I want to stick around and figure out like, what's going on. I want to figure out why um, he's trying to adopt a 21-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this butler keeps coming over here with these double cheeseburgers, so I'm, I'm down. I'm sticking around for a bit. Um, cut to karate fucking laundry, uh, where I got in trouble so much as a teenager for just taking a bucket of water and sticking uh, already clean clothes into it. And teenager, it uh, Lolo told me it was last month. <laughs> it was Robbie's clothes, okay. I'm not going to lie to you. But, uh, um, yeah, so so a little bit fast forward. Uh, Dick is basically trying to force Batman's hand and say, you, you know, I need to be your partner. You have to help me kill Two-Face. And again, that's when uh, Bruce is saying, that will not kill the... It won't help you to do that. Um, then... Uh, Cut back to uh, the uh, pair up between Two Face and Riddler. They're back to trying to get their um, plot. Essentially, Two Face wanted to kill Batman. Riddler has now convinced him. What's better than killing him is exposing him for who he is. And they figured out almost at this point that Bruce Wayne's Batman. So they're trying to plot on how to um, kill him or how to expose him rather, because uh, Edward Nigma is super happy because Bruce Wayne's the guy that fucked him over to begin with. So now that he's got an opportunity to out him as Batman, he's, like, super happy about it. Um, so Dick goes out to, without permission, he takes his uh, circus costume, and uh, actually, Alfred packs that shit. So here we go, someone should have, I mean, you're saying uh, Dick's 21, I can't remember in the credits how old he is, but if they're trying to make him under the age of 18, that's a fucking child abuse support right there, bro. Putting a, a child in danger like that. But um, one of the coolest parts of the movie is, there's a lot of cool shots. We'll talk about that too. But one of the really cool ones is Batman jumping through the flames, falling in all that fucking rubber, and then Dick pulling him out of it. Pretty cool. Um, and then uh, that kind of turns into uh, the third act where um, Batman invites 
Chase Meridian over to the house. He's going to tell her everything. He's decided to quit being Batman because he feels that's the only way to save Dick Grayson is to hang up his cowl to show him that I don't need Batman anymore. I was chasing... It's a, it's a scared kid chasing monsters, and they're not there anymore. And if I go away, uh, the monsters will go. If Batman goes away, the monsters will go away. So he decides to hang up the cowl. Um, Chase comes over for dinner on Halloween, and Batman is about to tell her what happened. Um, he's having these flashbacks at the same time, PTSD, repressed memories. Um, but then Riddler and Two-Face fucking storm his house, and uh, they kidnap Chase, and they leave a little clue um, for Batman. A little bit of fast forward, third act, Batman goes... They get fucking new costumes, by the way, that are awesome somehow. Um, Dick Grayson finally suits up. They go after the big, crazy, holy tower that uh, Riddler and Two-Face are at. And um, then uh, Dick tries to uh, help Bats, but he gets uh, abducted also. And then that's when Riddler makes him try to make a choice between Chase Meridian or Robin. Who are you going to pick? Who are you going to free? One of them has to die. You can only save one of them. Um, he lets them both go, but, uh, that's when Batman realizes, like, I can still be Batman. I'm not Batman because I have to be on Batman because I choose to be. Um, so he fucks up Riddler's plan. Then he's left one-on-one with Two-Face, and he fucks with Two-Face, too, with his coin. Um, so he kills Two-Face in that sense, and he saves the day, and they regroup, and, uh, Riddler, even though he knows who Batman is, he's holed up in Arkham Asylum, and he's saying a bunch of other crazy shit, and he's now saying that he's Batman. I'm trying to think if I forgot any main points. I was just trying to get through it so we can get to like the review stuff. I think I got everything for the most part. Anyways, so uh, that's the story of the movie. Um, a lot of people kind of went back and forth on, uh, is it a good movie? Is it a good plot? So I kind of wrote down a couple of uh, points that we can get across and we can kind of go around uh, with what we thought about it. And uh, um, Here it is. Where'd it go? I put it in the kick convo. But, um, okay, so, as a movie, Batman Forever, um, the plot, how did you, what did you guys think of the plot, uh, the story of the film? Did you, did you think it was worthwhile? Did you think it was stupid? Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll jump on it. Uh, I like the overall plot of, there aren't many problems for me with the movie. Uh, it's a few key things that, that take me out of it. Uh, the overall plot I liked. Uh, especially some of the things that they pulled from the comics, like uh, Robin wanting to kill Two-Face. That was uh, a plot that was pulled from the comics as well. It just wasn't Dick Grayson. Uh, mm. uh, the overall, you know, the the analysis of Batman versus Bruce Wayne and things like uh, the part where Bruce walks into uh, Dr. Meridian's office, you know, to, to have his uh, his appointment with her. And you start to see things. You know, the, the the one part where he sees the ink blot on the wall, and he asks if she has a thing for bats, yeah. and she says, "Well, that's that's a, an ink blot test. You see what you want to see." The only, my only problem with with that part was that in this case, that was a fucking bat. <laughs> but <laughs> like that, that it, there's no option there. That that one was a bat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, overall, the the plot was was fine. You know. Uh, the only thing that I had a real problem with, aside from, you know, uh, everyone talks about the nipples on, on the suits, <laughs> uh, which uh, I guess you can excuse that away because Schumacher wanted to go for an anatomical look on uh, on the costumes. Mm. And, I, you know, why didn't we have junk then? 
But uh, yeah. really, the only thing that takes away from the plot, I think, is a lot of the performances. Because at this time, for comic book movies, performances apparently were not allowed to be subtle. Uh, I saw someone. Yeah, th- there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole topic for that one. So you might want to okay. hold a little on the performance. Well, I'll, that I'll leave that simmer then. But yeah, overall, uh, I, I think left on its own, the the plot could have been uh, really solid and uh, and played out uh, more powerfully than it was allowed to be. Yeah, it. Uh, I'll I'll just add my two cents real quick. The one aspect of the plot that I feel like this actually did a way better job of than, say, Batman Returns. I, I really liked Batman 89. Um, it was kind of an origin tale, and it was kind of showing you uh, the dynamics between Batman and Joker and kind of showing you what, how Joker became Joker. What, what Batman Returns didn't do at all was do any character development for Batman or for Bruce Wayne. Um, all it did was show you what happens if he tries to get a girlfriend. That's like all Batman Returns did. What was cool about this movie, I think, as far as the plot, is that they're really trying to explain uh, the two sides of Batman and Bruce Wayne and how they're like literally fighting it out in the psyche over who should be the actual person and who should be the mask. Um, I love the PTSD shit. I love how they show the flashbacks. Uh, if someone saw their parents, you know, have a tra- horrific accident like that, I think that it would really weigh on them the way they show it in the movie in this one. Um, so I, I really like what they did with like, uh, I know it was kind of made up, but they did this whole thing with the journal. Um, they talk about Thomas Wayne had this journal that he used to write in every day of his life. And then now uh, that he passes away, every other page is empty and, um, he, Bruce realizes he'll never write in it ever again. So I really dug that. I dug the whole psychology of the, of the movie. And, uh, I think it made it really a lot more weighted, uh, in a story and it made it like a, a better story as a result. There's a lot of other funny shit that happens around it. Um, some of the plot points for Riddler and Two-Face are kind of silly. Um, even the Dick Grayson stuff is a little silly sometimes, but, uh, you know, they, I, I don't know if you guys watched the deleted scenes that uh, that were on YouTube, but they cut out like two really big things that they should have figured out a way to get in there because uh, it's really important to the plot to show kind of like a development between Dick and Bruce that they left out, and uh, they just didn't really find a better way to to say it. There's one point where Batman goes into the um, Batcave, and this is after he's been shot in the head uh, during the Halloween scene, and he's gonna ha- he's got had like amnesia, and so he's trying to remember a lot of the things, and he's basically saying how he knows he's Batman, but he doesn't even remember being Batman right now after getting shot oh, in the head. Up. So he goes back into the he goes back into part of the cave, and it's the, I think the reason they cut it out is because it's very much almost feels like a ripoff of the Dagobah scene from Empire uh, Strikes Back, where Luke is about to go into um, that, like, hidden forest on Dagobah, and and, uh, Yoda is telling him, he says, what's in there? And Yoda says, only what you take with you. (laughs) Um, Alfred kind of does the same thing, because he says, your nightmares are in there, you must face them. And he goes inside the Batcave, and uh, he finds his dad's journal in there, and he starts reading it, and then he realizes, reading his dad's journal, that... Uh, the last the last lines that his dad is writing, it says that Bruce really wanted to go to the movies. 
So I think that we're, you know, it basically, he blames himself in that moment. He says, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. And then he stands up and he sees this bat coming towards him and he sees this giant bat. And uh, he realizes that this is who he's become. You know, this is what helped him get through the loss of his parents. He comes out of the cave realizing I am Batman. They cut that whole scene out, but I thought that was pretty important, you know, along the, to go along the lines of the whole psyche thing, but. Uh, that was my favorite part of the movie is is the the way they they entered that that's well, the one, plot element at least so I don't know one about, what, thing what about else those think? deleted scenes that uh, really stands out when you're watching them it it's interesting because it doesn't have all the sound effects put in like when when you see the yeah. uh, the raw footage of Batman fighting Two Face in the helicopter one thing that really oh stands out is Val Kilmer's Batman voice was not very cool before they did the ADR for the movie. It, he, yeah, he's oh, all high-pitched high. voice. And yeah, it, it, it was not coming off well. And, and actually, Tommy Lee Jones' performance, was, his voice was a lot more subdued. And I think uh, yeah. better uh, be, before they did the ADR. Yeah. yeah, he's talking like a normal... I mean, he sounds like just kind yeah. of a madman, but not as over-the-top. Yeah, um, plot plot points. Anybody else? No, I don't know. Sure. I, I just enjoyed. It. <laughs> I, it, it was it was like a continuation okay. or, or a mashup of uh, the Burton movies and, and the '60s TV show. And, and man, in 1995, it was it was great. I, at the time, I thought it was great. It was, you know, a little yeah. over the top, but uh, in a lot of ways, it was like comic panels. Uh, you know, for the first time for me, yeah. anyway, uh, on the screen, you know, more colorful than the, a little more colorful than the Burton movies, a little, I guess, more over the top. Um, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought Jim Carrey was funny, maybe a little bit on the Joker side, but I don't know. He had some funny one-liners. I thought. Yeah, that that kind of speaks to. So the next topic is the script. So. Um, the script was written by, uh, like I said, the two individuals who really wanted to push for that psych, that psyche, that psyche split for Batman. But they all also wrote uh, the Riddler parts and the Two Face parts, um, almost as if they were writing the Joker for both of them. I think a Could lot of people. Could you imagine Jim Carrey about. as the Joker? What um, would that be like? That'd be. That'd be funny. Be, yeah, I could see that. They they both played their characters so far over the top than what they should be. You know that Riddler is not like that, and Two Face is not like that. And I forget who it was, but yeah. I saw someone uh, posting recently that they had been watching the movie again, and they they made a pretty good argument that uh, this movie plays out as if it's a contest between. Tommy Lee Jones yeah. and Jim Carrey to prove who could play the better Joker. <laughs> I think that was, yeah, I think somebody left a comment. So we put up a post on our Instagram asking uh, the listeners to uh, give their two cents. We're going to read through some of the best ones. And I think that was a point that somebody left was that exact comment. And it's true. I think uh, Jim Carrey has said that Tommy Lee Jones did not like him. Tommy Lee Jones thought that he was this like, out of nowhere, uh, over the top, um, like stuck up actor. So I really do think that they're trying to act over each other in this movie. One of them's trying to be the bigger star than the other, and uh, it's very apparent. 
the thing that that like I feel like kind of got watered down at one point is in the first scene when you meet Two Face for the first time and he's talking to that guard in the uh, in the vault scene. He's talking like Two Face, like he's he's like calm, he's subdued. He's talking like Harvey Dent, and uh, and then he, he kind of flips a switch and he never kind of comes back from that. And you know I don't know what the fuck they interpreted from the script. Or what they were reading or what they wanted to try, but it just sounds like they're just jumping off the script like crazy. And maybe maybe ad-libbing a lot, maybe doing a lot of improv. I know Jim Carrey did a ton of improv on it, I think. So they took the script and they kind of like altered it a bunch. Um, so there's, I think a lot of parts of the movie that I disliked are because of the script. So the cheesy one-liners, um, the way they wrote some of the other characters... Um, there's a lot of times when I think like Chris O'Donnell is cheesy as fuck. I, I think a probably, lot of the cheesiness um, of Chris O'Donnell some... is because he's too old for what yeah. his character is expressing. Yeah. They, I, who knows if they wrote him like a teenager and it's like this big ass man, you know, man boy. this grown man saying it. It would I don't know though. Like I feel like it would have been weird to see like a little twelve year old on screen he's too. He's like though. a mashup. He's not really. I mean, the circus part is Dick Grayson, but then there's part Jason Todd. And yeah. True, yeah. And yeah, he's wearing he the, seems Tim, like a, the Tim Drake an uh, the Robin suit. Suit. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think like, the worst parts of the script are probably a little bit of the villain parts that were written, uh, a little bit of the uh, Robin part that was written. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the, the Batman, Bruce Wayne stuff, though. I mean, even Batman had some cheese where, uh, you know, it's like, can I pack a sandwich for you, sir? <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get drive through. And, and that, like, that's, they, they really that's in the, the first on minutes, too. Yeah. So it really sets the yeah. tone of, oh, okay, this is how it's going to be. Does he get an ass shot in the... Because uh, the, there's a, there's a, monta- there's a montage. Yeah. He does get an ass shot. Yeah, so there's that. Um, that suit-up montage is pretty sick, though, regardless. Because uh, I think a good point is that you get Batman in the yeah, first five minutes of this movie. still waiting on Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so script, I think, was probably what hurt the movie a little bit more than it helped it. Now, the cast. Um, I've, I've heard people go both ways on the casting for this movie. So I've heard people say that they fucking hate Val Kilmer as Batman. Um, I've heard a lot of other people say that they really liked Val Kilmer as Batman. Um, I, I, I mean, again, I saw this when I was like, what was it, 95? Um, so I was nine years old when I saw this movie. And I thought, I loved Val Kilmer as Batman. I thought he was good. I still think he's a decent Batman. I still think he's a good Bruce Wayne. Um, so, I mean, I, I like the casting of Batman. What did you guys I think like of Batman? Really- yeah, I really dig him as Bruce Wayne. Um, not so much as Batman, but I don't dislike him as Batman. I just thought he was better as Bruce Wayne. And he has really pouty lips, so that yeah. helps. <laughs> he he clearly struggled. You know, it, it's evident by uh, those uncompleted uh, scenes in the deleted stuff that uh, he, he kind of struggled for a Batman voice. Uh, my only issue yeah. with him, with his Bruce Wayne is he was a little he was a little bit too soft as Bruce Wayne. You know, he he didn't seem as commanding 
as Bruce Wayne is uh, is typically seen, particularly in the comics. Uh, <laughs> Bruce really commands any room that he's in, and Val's Bruce performance, mm. you know, he's he's a little bit more uh, soft spoken. Yeah, he's not really playing up a yeah. playboy either. Like in in the movie, he he doesn't really seem like a douchebag. He's not like putting. He doesn't feel like he's putting on too much of an act, except for when he's talking to uh, Edward Nigma and he puts on glasses, which is kind of weird. Like that's like a yeah. total Clark Kent move. He's wearing glasses in that scene, so it's like, oh, is this him being like the the pompous, arrogant Bruce Wayne? But, but, I guess but that's what he's that meant. Still, just too um, nice about it. Then you know, because that, yeah. that's when yeah, he's. Edward pitches his idea to him, and Bruce like, okay, well, uh, you know, get yeah, in touch box. with my with my secretary, and we'll uh, we'll talk about this. Should have been way more Simon Cowell than that. <laughs> it's a no for me. Zero for style, zero for originality, and zero for zero effort. for not actually playing the joke. Or he could have went full Donald Trump. You're fired. Uh, yeah. This what a shithole idea. <laughs> This shithole, shithole terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So Bruce Wayne. It sounds like we all kind of liked him. We all kind of liked Val Kilmer. What, what about Jim Carrey as the Riddler? Love Jim Carrey as the Riddler. I, I think I think Jim yeah. Carrey has given performances in other movies that would have been a better Riddler performance. But uh, I don't think it's his fault. Uh-huh. I think at this time it was we still saw it in the movie that came after this, the way Uma Thurman played Poison Ivy and what they did with Bane. At that time, they didn't, they didn't allow for subtlety in, in comic book performances. Yeah. You know, everything, oh, this comes from a comic book, so that, that must mean that it has to be over the top. It, you, I think just in the casting, that's kind of what they wanted, is because to look, to kind of go after Robin Williams first, Robin Williams is, like, fucking a madman himself. So they were kind of looking for someone to kind of do that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they really wanted him to be Riddler as much as they just wanted well, Jim Carrey. I think Carrey Jim Carrey kind of played up on off of the, you know, the Frank Gorshin uh, Riddler from the 66 series. He really, did, he really didn't get a chance yeah, to like, invent the character. He just kind of, you know... No amped it up but uh, so many of his lines like were just screamed like the flock of freaking freuds and i think jim carrey in the chris nolan movies could have done a really great oh edward i would love to see uh a jim carrey in the war of jokes and riddles storyline yeah because like a jim yeah that's exactly what i was thinking because jim carrey has done some performances where He's been really he's dark. dark. Yeah. yeah, and like in in reality, he's he's a dark guy, and he's he's brought that out in some yeah. of his other movies. So I think, given the chance to to play that enigma, uh, he could have been really strong. Right. I don't I don't think he was doing a hundred percent Riddler, but I don't dislike what he did in the movie. Yeah, um, being a nine year old kid in the movie theater, I fucking loved Jim Carrey at that time. So. Um, my favorite scene of his in the entire movie is when he comes into the Batcave and he starts destroying it. Um, and he's like totally just riffing and 
doing like improv and and being silly and and it sounds like they just basically made the fucking scene work around him in that sense. That that's my that's my favorite Jim Carrey scene in that movie. But I, I yeah, he's just so silly in this movie. Like the things he says, the Two Face, the way that Two Face is fucking murdering everybody around him, but somehow he convinces him to team up with him and not kill him in a, in a split <laughs> second that he was about to. Um, I, I really liked I really my liked Jim Carrey. Scene was in this. at the end. Uh, um, uh, when they were, I don't know, in that whatever, religious lair or whatever. And yeah. he says, uh, says something like, kind of, God am I. And then he's like, was that a little bit over the top? <laughs> yeah, he says, if knowledge is power, then a God am What? Um, that's right, little baby legends, over the top. Uh, so one thing that, we ignored, uh, uh, it's it's almost ahead, a character in itself. This was the first time, I think, that we saw Arkham Asylum in a live action. Yes, sir. That's true. And they actually cut out, the opening scene was supposed to show um, the psychiatrist coming and trying to check yeah, on uh, Harvey Dent. Yeah, uh, and, he's and broken actually, out. that uh, that guy that went into Harvey's room there, he's uh, he was actually called Doctor Burton, and he had the big Tim Burton hair. Ah, so a little callback, little uh, name drop for Tim Burton. So yeah, we were supposed to even see even more of Arkham Asylum, but that was really cool too. Seeing Arkham Asylum, uh, you see it at the end also. Um, yeah, very very cool. Uh, what about Tommy Lee Jones as yeah. Two Face? In in this movie where everyone is going crazy like that, like I think his performance goes hand in hand with Jim Carrey's. You know, in a movie where Tommy Lee Jones is going crazy and screaming while he fires a machine gun at and you know at who, anyone he can see, Jim Carrey has to play on that same level or he'll disappear. And vice versa. In in a yeah. movie where Jim Carrey is playing that Riddler, you know, just dancing around and. Sp- Twirling the uh, twirling his cane around, Tommy Lee Jones has to chew the hell out of that scenery too, or he's going to disappear. Yeah, I wonder how much coke they was, had on yeah. set. <laughs> <laughs> as much as Tommy Lee Tommy Jones, Lee Jones was already he was he was already yeah. old when they made this, wasn't he? He was like yeah. late forties, early fifties. That, that was actually that was on his face. That was his real face. Oh. <laughs> They put now, makeup on the, half his face. <laughs> when when they show the flashback yeah, scene to, younger. to where Harvey becomes Two Face, you know the acid attack. Two things that take me out of out of that scene are one the way they try to have him cover half of his face with the file folder, yeah, yeah. yeah while he gets flashed <laughs> yeah. with it, and then the way that Batman just. Supplies springs out of the jury. Yeah, how like is he, he just, there? Like he was hiding in someone's yeah. pants. <laughs> and he just springs out and comes yeah. flying out. Somehow he Jesus Christ, where did you come from? I hate how they with they they make they they put the folder yeah. over half of his face, but then he drags yeah. it across his face. And then in the next shot, it's like back like, up but, across his face again. Yeah, and then he's got a perfect symmetrical line down the middle of his face where it's all burned. Is I, there a story on me. why Billy D. Williams wasn't cast in this in this movie? Because I mean, uh, 
I think it's. I think it might just be that uh, Tommy Lee Jones was a bigger name at the is time. It, is it maybe the same reason why want... Lando Calrissian hasn't shown up in any more of the Star Wars movies? Yeah, you know what's. I I have. I mean, I got to think it's also this. I, I think you know. I think part of them wanted to whitewash this movie for whatever reason. Like to take Marlon Wayans out of playing Robin. I think somewhere when I was really doing the research, it says Joel Schumacher wanted a white yeah. actor. Like, so for whatever reason, they decided to go with Chris O'Donnell. And then, uh, yeah, like, that's interesting. Why wouldn't you go? I mean, I'm sure he would have said yes if he was offered. Well, uh, it would have been better for yeah, him to have, have him play the character in the first movie, and you don't know what type of money you're going to make. Then yeah. you, know, you want to bring the character yeah. back and like, wait a second. You know, maybe maybe he turned it down, too. I don't know. But yeah. I was... Yeah. Who knows? At least we got the pen. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, farts by Dallas. Um, I think a, another thing too about the Tommy Lee Jones thing is um, he, yeah, I don't know. It's like they they wanted to sandwich another villain just like they did on Batman Returns. They wanted to do two villains, um, but it just felt like whereas Catwoman and Penguin both get an origins in that movie. They just didn't give a yeah. fuck about Two Face in this one. Like Jim Carrey gets his whole thing with his origins, and then Two Face is a like back of the room flash cut scene of like a news reporter giving like a thirty second and, clip of him, and that's so it doesn't really make you care about him at yeah. all. Tommy Lee was further away from Two Face than Jim Carrey was from the Riddler. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, and. <laughs> And they For actually sure. almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were going to also include Poison Ivy into this movie. Oh, shit. And, and decided oh, that it was just going to be too Would've packed and saved her for the next one. Yeah, it was, man. Imagine, you know, you, you've, you've got three, three hours. Tommy Lee Jones screaming and shooting people and Jim Carrey in green spandex twirling a cane and thrusting his crotch. And then uh, Uma Thurman with everything is said like this. Uh, that would have oh just been uh, too much. That's what that's what Batman uh, and Robin felt like because they not only in they had the two villains, but then they had the three Bat family yeah. members with uh, fucking Cher from Clueless. <laughs> so it would that that felt like too much. Yeah, so I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about that. Anyways, back to Batman Forever. Um, so yeah, I think we all are under the consensus that this movie would have been fine without Two Face in it. Um could have just kept Jim Lee or Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Two-Face take him or leave him whatever um what else is oh so uh, okay so also aesthetic um so the look of this movie I think was also a big departure from Batman Returns um they wanted everything to be like bright not too bright still dark but uh they thought it was way too dark Batman Returns was way too dark of a movie it was way too Burton way too scary uh, they probably thought it was like Edward Scissorhands with Batman in it. So they wanted to come back from that, and they wanted to give it a little lighter look. And I think that's why there's like a lot more neon signs. Um, there's a lot more color. Uh, the Riddler's suit is like super green. And you, um, you've got Two-Face's two two face face lair, you know? He, yeah. He's got that, you know, really yeah. pronounced lair where it's split down the center where half of it is, is dark and gothic and the other side is uh, is all uh, flamboyantly clean and bright. And yeah. then you've got sugar and um, spice And his there. face... Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yes. 
Drew Barrymore and that other you know, actress. One of my name, but, um, you know, it's interesting that those two have never made it into the comics. Right. Sugar and Spice, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Going back to your uh, Clueless well, reference, think, oh, it made me realize that Clueless was actually a love story of Barbara Gordon and Ant-Man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the whole yeah. Th- and they don't even know it. There it is. So, aesthetically, uh, when I was nine and I went to go see this movie in the theaters, I remember I couldn't wait to get all the toys and the vehicles, especially the Batmobile, because the Batmobile looked fucking awesome. Um, overall, I think this movie looked fucking cool. Like, even if you don't listen to the dialogue and you put it on mute and you just have it in the background, I think it's hard to say that it doesn't look good. For right? what they were trying to do, I think they did it good. I mean, if they were if they were trying to yeah. be Burton and it turned out like this, then no. But they were trying to do something different, and I think it came across. I think their vision came across, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, wanted, to take a, they wanted to kind of feel like it was somewhat in the same universe, but... They uh, bright enough to where it would still draw in uh, kids and and parents and newer people. Um, the one thing that I liked about the way this movie looked that was better than Batman Returns, I feel like Batman Returns suffered big time from being completely shot in yes. a sound studio. Yeah, and it makes it feel small. Like you're you're having these outdoor shots of Gotham City, you can totally tell it's fucking indoors. And it feels tiny, it feels overlapping, it feels small, where they filmed on location for this movie. So at the beginning scene when he's like flying through the city and they're uh, surrounding the the high-rise uh, bank, it's a real fucking thing, location of one a big high-rise building. One thing about the real buildings. locations, though, you know, that, that scene with the helicopter uh, after the, uh, the bank heist that was, you know, just a setup, why the hell are they at the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know like, Gotham had that. It's not the Statue of Liberty; it's the Statue of Justice. Ah, uh, there you go. Different, different, different. Yeah. Um, I loved how Bat the uh, the uh, Wayne Manor is like a legit mansion on the outskirts of a city. Um, this movie just felt way bigger. It, it felt like a just much broader story set in a very large city it felt real yeah like the um the, he's the like burton going to movies see... as good as burton's gotham did look you know for for being very it's the the city was like a character uh it yeah. it made it feel real small that the monarch theater was in every shot exactly in 89 yeah and he, i felt like it felt even smaller in returns i felt like 89, at least they yeah. built their own little mini city outdoors. But Batman Returns was, it just felt like uh, an extreme set. <laughs> like it just, it just felt like they printed a bunch of shit on cardboard and just stacked it on top of it. I wonder how much they paid to ship that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 50% off shipping. Uh, during yep. Christmas time, at least. Um, so aesthetically, I thought the the pan they call it the Panther suit, the Val Kilmer Panther I suit. I love beginning. that dude. I man. fucking love That's that a suit. Badass suit. I I really. Yeah. They're supposed to come out with um big, a figure of that NECA? soon, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, DC Universe yeah. or Multiverse? It's DC Multiverse. It's about time, man. Because yeah. I I love that suit, yeah. nipples and all, man. <laughs> yeah, the suit looks awesome. Um, the mold, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think they they when they <laughs> little baby legends loves it. 
when they like uh, designed that suit, they made it look way sleeker. Um, it looks much better, like form fitting to a body. Um, so it al- almost kind of gives the look that he can maybe move a little bit better. Um, the cowl looks legit. Uh, it looks sick, like in the when there's like fucking flames. Well, it, it actually up behind looks him. like a comic like, uh, there, Batman in a way. I mean, even though it's all black, it, it they really. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed with this movie is that. You know, it was like a living comic book versus the first two movies to me. Yeah. They 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 totally went for that a little bit and it popped for sure. It came out. Um that another thing I loved about this movie is that they they didn't shy away from showing you Batman yeah. in action. The first 5 minutes of the movie he's beating the fuck out of those two-faced goons and you're seeing him jumping around, he's like flying in, he's doing kicks. You're seeing him completely like in the suit from every angle. Um, that scene where he's going at, where they're chasing him into that, like, um, that abandoned building and he goes down that chute and he's jumping through the fire. That looks fucking awesome. Um, so I, this movie looks really, really cool. Like, yeah, they're filming the seat. They're filming on location. Awesome shit. I like both Um, suits too, by the way. Even Riddler looks, I mean. I said I like both suits. The sonar suit or whatever it was. Yeah. The sonar suit at the end is sick. It's all silver. And that's something that um, Batman would have. Dick... I mean, yeah, he would totally sure. think of that, you know, beforehand and uh, have something like that. To be honest, that's what I did not like about Returns is that he he has the same suit through the entire movie. And uh, they came out with a toy line that had like 12 <laughs> different fucking <laughs> suit variants. And it's... It's like, it's all these different fucking, like, Jungle Tracker, a- Arctic Blast, uh, Wall Crawler, all this shit. And I'm like, when the fuck did this shit happen in the movie? In the Snyder Cut. What the fuck? Like, yeah, man. So I like the fact that they actually did it in uh, Forever, where they give you different suits and it looks cool. And um, all the scenes in the bat- the Batcave are sick as fuck, where, like, the, the Batmobile comes oh. up from the bottom and uh, there's just a bunch. It just looks cool as fuck. He's got all the gadget room looks badass. That's a great um, Batmobile. When the Riddler jump, dude, I love oh, yeah. that Batmobile. Yeah, when the Riddler, especially with the blue, the Riddler yep. breaks in. You, yeah, the engine, the engine spins inside of the blue little you know lighting and all that shit. Um, the way the V opens up on the top of it, it just uh-huh. looks looks rad. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, I think until the Batfleck Batmobile, that was probably my second favorite live action Batmobile. Really? Yeah, I, I would say that one was right after the uh the Keaton Batmobile. Yeah. It was uh yeah, for sure. For a while I think I was going back and forth between which I, I had both the Keaton uh Batmobile toy and the Kilmer toy, and I think for a while I was playing with the Kilmer one more. Um I remember specifically putting Keaton Batman oh. in that Batmobile pretending that it was like his Batmobile also. So, I mean, I think we all agree this movie yeah, looks fucking cool, absolutely. right? Alright, and uh, the last category would be tone slash music. Oh. Dude, this um, is So, Danny, Elf- Danny Elfman uh, was, I don't know if he was not asked to return or if he stepped out, but uh, this movie was not scored by Danny Elfman, but they did use a little bit of the feel and tone of his theme. But it it got an updated theme. Um, so Val Kilmer kind of has his own Batman theme. Um, you can tell that there's like different bars and different uh, parts of uh, D- 
Danny Elfman did not return back for the score. They got somebody else to do the score. Val Kilmer kind of gets his own theme. But they also did something with this movie that they didn't do with the first two was uh, they created like an actual soundtrack to the movie where they asked different artists to kind of contribute uh, music uh, that kind of drove the theme and tone of this movie. Um, the biggest one being Kissed by Rose by Seal. And that was the biggest fucking Dude, song of that you year. You couldn't turn on the radio so, without that song being every, on. But you know what? I love the yeah. U2 song. Hold me, kiss me, thrill me. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That song oh, yeah. Was huge too. Yeah. Great. That's why I was saying, uh, like, I, I, the, this soundtrack, when I was nine years old, was the one of the first CDs I ever bought. Uh, I specifically remember there was this, like, mail order, um, this mail order, like, tag that I got out of a magazine that said, like, if you subscribe to the service, you get 15 CDs <laughs> for, like, I did $15. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Columbia Music House. I in my sister's name, so I got 30. You know, <laughs> you know, Columbia House was around until, like, just the last five years or so before they finally filed for bankruptcy. No way. How did they last? Old people. Old people that are afraid <laughs> of the internet. Uh, but I got, yeah, it was, like, 15 CDs. I remember um, I got the Batman Forever soundtrack. I got Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish. Uh, I got the first uh, Third Eye Blind album. Uh, Everclear, So Much for the Afterglow. Um, oh man, I can't, hear, I, I can't remember how many, but I remember like my favorite one was the Batman Forever soundtrack and like Third Eye Blind and Everclear and this CD, so, I so wore the fuck then, out. Dude. I even uh, love your the Offspring song. name would have been College Rock Forever. <laughs> <laughs> College alt rock fan, uh, XOXO. Yeah. This was right around the time that like Dawson Creek was on the WB, right? So, uh, Friends was big on, uh, the, uh, the old network television. Jay Leno was king of late night. Um, a lot of stuff happening in this time. But, yeah, I think that the music definitely drove the movie more than, uh, some of the other films. Um, I, I, I don't think I know a person that didn't like that soundtrack or didn't buy it or, you know, didn't listen to the Kiss by a Rose by Seal. And the music video is, like, cut it's intercut with Batman scenes and him singing on the GCPD yeah. rooftop with the, I, like, the Batman I, symbol I behind him. I had a clip of that video in my story post just like in the past month because <laughs> it's still so cool. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't use him for Two-Face. Oh. <laughs> oh. Too soon or something. <laughs> yeah. It'd be One-Face. Uh, he's more He's more of a uh, yeah. Clayface now. Oh, Damn, man, you guys are cold. Um, anything else for the look? Oh, I'm sorry, the tone and the music. Anybody else have any thoughts on it? Uh, the, it was a lot more... There was a lot more sexuality in this one with, uh, you know, the uh, having a, a female uh, psychiatrist uh, turning the bat signal into the booty call signal, and there's that scene where she's wearing, like, nothing but white drapery and... They, uh, they really cranked that up in this one. Yeah. That was such a funny scene. <laughs> he, he basically goes... She's, she's, she's he goes to banger. The, you know, by the, by the bat signal in, the, in lingerie or whatever. And then yeah. Gordon, with a robe oh, yeah. and his pajamas, like... Get <laughs> <laughs> the fuck out of here, Jim. <laughs> I saw the signal! 
Yeah, I know you did. It's, it's, it's funny how much that is like uh, Batman 39. <laughs> Gordon rushing up to, to the rooftop and, you know, it's, no, this, this is not your party, Jim. <laughs> He's about to get seduced. Um, we completely glossed over Dr. Yeah. Chase Meridian being yeah. cast in this movie. Uh, Nicole Kidman, again, probably at the height of her uh, her stardom, um, this was, I mean, god damn, she is amazingly gorgeous uh, in this I movie. think it was uh, Rene Russo like, was uh, going to play her character. Yeah. And Robin Wright was also trying to get the role, too. Jenna, <laughs> eh? Um, but it eventually went to no- smoking hot Nicole Kidman. And damn, dude, she, like, just oozes off the screen in every scene that she's in. She looks amazing. Um, so, yeah, definitely... Uh, you know, uh, was this is the first time that? Oh no, I can't say that. Uh, the first time that she's not a, that a non-villain female character is kind of like uh, a main character that isn't a damsel in distress in this movie because the first one, Vicky Vale, it's kind of a damsel in distress. She doesn't really like she's not. And then Catwoman's the villain, so of course she has to fight. But uh, this this Doctor Chase Meridian is kind of like a very strong female character. Um, who makes it very clear that she wants yeah. to get it in with Batman. And she fought the two face um, goons. She was punching that's them That's right, yeah. She's staircase. got that martial She's yeah. got that martial arts training where she's uh hitting the bags. Um another thing that I mentioned <laughs> another thing that I mentioned earlier in Kick is um there's a scene that was cut out where it shows Dick Grayson hitting a punching bag hitting and kicking a punching bag and there's a picture of Two Face taped to it. And he, it's so fucking funny because he's like, uh, 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 and he's like just punching it over and over again. Like, and it, you're watching it and you're like, okay, I can see why they deleted this. Cause it looks ridiculous. It looks like a 12 year old boy like, hitting a punching bag. So this is pretty funny. But um, they have that same character being uh, coming back as Commissioner Gordon again, uh, who I thought just I thought Commissioner Gordon got fucking dumber and dumber with every movie. Uh he was probably, like, as stoic as he'd ever be in the first one. And the second one, he's kind of just there. And this third one, he just... He's, uh, he's sort of um, Barney Fifing uh, by this point. Yeah. Um, how about we get to some of the Instagram comments that people left? There's over 40 comments that people left on this thing. Um... Let's see here. A. Machia. I remember being in middle school and loving this movie. Now, not as much. But as a Batman fan, it was awesome. Uh, Dork Knights says, I love it. Remember seeing it opening weekend? I actually enjoy it far more than Returns. Goofy at times, emotionally deep at others. It feels like a Silver Age Batman comic. Plus, the soundtrack is awesome. Very true. Um, Nick McDuck. Tommy Lee Jones was a great Joker. Uh, Vampire Batman. I watched this at 10 a.m. opening day by myself at the age of 13 in the theater with only a few other people. I went in expecting so much and even at that age, let down. I like Jim Carrey as an actor a lot, though. And then, uh, that Nash kid. Meow. Jim Carrey was an awesome Riddler and I feel that he can still play him again in DC films. Uh, then, uh, Vampire Batman says again, uh, still would have loved to see what could have been with this film, though, with Robin Williams as Riddler, so on and so forth. Sherbert Downey Jr. 
I love Batman Forever. Growing up, it was the Batman movies and that I had and Forever was my favorite. It opened at the perfect age for me and I got all the toys, collected all those McDonald's glass mugs, had the posters in my room. It was a movie that often gets overlooked and it has fallen under the shadow with its follow-up Batman and Robin. Very true. But it's actually a very good Batman movie. The opening and the dark parts that explore Bruce, his fear, his obsession were excellent. The story is rather good and it's too bad we never really got a director's cut. Okay, okay, I'm rambling. But Val Kilmer was my favorite and still is. It's a movie I think deserves to be recognized, and I'm so glad you're all doing this one. Dude, those McDonald's oh, glasses, though. I have them. Oh, man. I said, there was uh, Riddler, Batman. Uh, yeah, what else was Robin there? One. And Two Fists. Yeah, I think there was like a yeah, total four. of four. There's four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I had the Riddler one. Sets I think, of those sure. get brought into the shop like every two months. Hmm. Oh man, awesome! I think somewhere my I I had the Riddler one. I don't know. I don't think I broke it. Somewhere, some along the lines is there. But McDonald's had some pretty awesome stuff. Um, I don't think they had. Do they have toys at McDonald's in this movie, or was it just the glasses? I just have the glasses. Uh, they probably had toys. I don't, know. I don't think they did. I don't think they did Happy Meal toys as much. But um, um, let's see here. Captain Bats. I loved Batman. I loved Batman Forever. I loved Val Kilmer. I loved the soundtrack. I was 11 or 12 when this came out. I used to listen to the soundtrack and fangirl crush on Kilmer Batman real hard. His picture was in my locker. And also, I just wanted a boy dance with... I just wanted a boy to dance with me to kiss from a rose at the 6th grade dance so bad. Didn't happen. Uh, laughing face. Um, J. Grant Peace. The soundtrack is one of my all-time favorites. I still listen to it. The movie was cool. I really dug the style of it. Nightwing 202. Val was the closest thing to Batman the animated series ever got. Hmm. Whoa. <laughs> or was the closest thing to Batman the Animated so, Series we ever got. lots of love for this. It's almost like this is like one of the most underrated Batman movies out there, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that, that people are are uh, not shitting on it. I was expecting a lot Me more too. people to shit on it. Um, there's a uh, Nostalgic Nebula says, uh, I applaud composer Elliot Goldenfall, uh, in parentheses, Interview with the Vampire, for his score and a new Batman theme. Following the Elfman score was sure to be tough. Agreed. Yeah, it was a good theme. I really liked it. Uh, a pro- uh, Mr. Wayne. A prominent song in my movie of my childhood being I was born two years before this movie came out. Legit grew up on the animated series and the two previous Batman movies, but this was my favorite movie, Batman Forever. Um, let me see here. Mikey manifested. Liked it as a kid, but did not think it was a very good Batman movie when I saw it again recently. I thought Val Kilmer was a terrible Bruce Wayne. I just wasn't sold in his performance. To each his own, Mikey. Uh, then we got Callie Conscience. Val Kilmer was the best representation of Batman. Before we got Christian Bale, real shit. Everybody else was terrible. I'm not to say it. I'm not going to say he was perfect, but Val did a good job for a Tim Burton directed movie. Uh, well, that's all sorts <laughs> of wrong. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, Meb. 51089. Still had wished to see Tim Burton version that was supposed to be done, uh, but Warner Brothers didn't want it to be dark. Otherwise, how will they have marketed it to kids at McDonald's? LOL. Good grief, WB. Um, Midnight Rocket. This was the first Batman movie my cousins and I all saved for and saw in the summer of 1995. I got dropped off my first day of school with Kiss by a Rose playing on the radio. I knew it was going to be a good year. Just watched it again on Netflix the other night also, with the first live-action Robin, too. 
lot of a lot of McDonald's comments. Midnight Rocket. McDonald's had all the Batman Forever stuff going on, and I went every week to get the French fry boxes. Still got them, and in good shape. Posted them a while back on another post. Good old days. Uh, Ricky Wingding. I love this movie. My first Batman movie I saw in theaters. I remember my mouth open when he crashed through that glass ceiling, all badass, and whooped the Two-Face gang ass all over the dance floor. LOL. Plus, I had a huge crush on Nicole Kidman afterwards. Hell yeah. Another comment of the McDonald's glasses from C. Uh, C. Clay T. Um, holy shit, amazing comment. I still have the Riddler and Batman ones. McDonald's does not know what's good anymore. Shaking my head by Mikey Bogey 22. Um, Falco Kick, our boy. Very excited about this. I've been on a forever binge lately. Does that mean like you watch it over and over again? That's what I would assume. He watches forever, forever. Um, Alan Ridge, pretty fun as kids' movies go. I must admit that it is all—it is in many ways better than most superhero movies of the last few years. It knows what it's supposed to be and that it is tonally stable. It also tells an actual story instead of being a two-hour preview for the next movie, like most modern superhero movies. Great fucking point. Um, and there was no. It totally feels thing. that that's what some of these movies are. <laughs> no, no, no chopping. Um, no two-tone. No. Two-Tone 44, Carrie owned that role. Kilmer's Bruce Wayne is one of the most believable Bruce, and once you get over how weird Jones plays Two-Face, he's actually menacing. So once you get over how shitty Two-Face is, he's actually pretty good. It did have its corny moments, like Dr. Chase drooling over Batman, or Chris O'Donnell's whole performance. <laughs> uh, Two-Tone 44, not to mention Batnips. J.C. Malone, Val Kilmer looked awesome in the cowl. Riddler was too much like the Joker to me. Um, Cody Frickle just says, I'll get drive through. Uh, I love that poster. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I love that movie too. Ha ha. From Riffy, uh, from Reese. That movie 33. poster was the greatest. Um, and then we have a, yeah, man, that, that poster looks badass. So out of, uh, 45 comments, there was maybe like two or three ones that didn't like the movie. So, um, I would say that most people who, like, follow us or are fans of the Batman films actually like Batman Forever, which is... Uh, it got a far better... Uh, a, it's getting a far better reception than uh, Last Jedi is getting. Oh, God. Yeah. 50%, 49% fresh rating. I put a poll up on uh, my uh, Instagram. It's, uh, was this movie rules, yes or no? And I put up the poster. 64% yes, 36% no. So an overwhelming majority think that it rules. Um, yeah, man, surprised. I, I did not think that this many people were fucking going to love it, dude. Neither did I. For the really longest time, I got a bad rap. It was always lumped in we with should Batman do, They should do a sequel, Batman Forever Ever, without Cap. <laughs> <laughs> Forever Ever? <laughs> um, there's a ton of uh, YouTube videos of Val Kilmer actually... Uh, probably a couple of years ago, he did a couple of different conventions, shops? and he did. Uh, this was after he had lost that weight, um, and he uh, he was doing Q and As, and like the first like ten questions all about Batman Forever, and uh, he fucking just goes for it and he answers everyone's question, and he you know signed on not knowing who the director was, signed on not reading the script. So when they ask him about like what he thinks about his performance and what he thinks about now that uh, you know the Nolan movies had come out, he said, "Well, that's where I thought the direction was going." He goes, "I thought after Batman Returns, you know, he says I saw Batman Begins. I love that movie. I love what Christopher Nolan has done with the Batman films, 
And he said, I thought that's what we were going to do. I thought we were going to make a more grounded Batman film. And then he says, I get on set and I see what's kind of going on. And he said, and I just kind of went with it. But, um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, he's a really eccentric dude. And, uh, it's hard to know, like, it's hard to read that guy. But, uh, there's a lot of accounts of him being a prima donna dickhead on the set. So I'm, I met him. Who once. knows? But, um, yeah, I was in yeah. Shreveport. There, there are some casinos in Shreveport and, um, I was playing out there in a band, and we were kind of hanging out in this bar before uh, we were supposed to play. And we kept looking over going, is that 50 Cent over there? That, that can't be 50 Cent. And the whole time we're like, is this, that's got to be 50, man. And sure enough, I mean, we leave the place, and we walk by, and we, as we're walking by, they're like looking at us, and we're like looking at them. And we're like, 50? And it was like, yeah, man, hey, how's it going? And they started talking to us. I did not even recognize Val Kilmer at this point. He had, like, seriously gained so much weight. I, I didn't even recognize him. They were filming a movie in Shreveport, but it was based, it was actually, they were using the casinos in Shreveport um, to be Vegas, the old Vegas casinos. <laughs> uh, okay. And we were talking to him. They're like, "Oh yeah, we're shooting tonight over here." Blah blah blah, and kind of talking. And then I, I'm start looking at Val, Val Kimmer. I'm like, "I know you." Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I felt bad afterwards. Going after I realized who it was, but we we were all wanting to talk to Fifty Cent before we were to him. Yeah. He was a cool guy. He was nice, and you know. That reminds me of, I think it was an episode of Life's Too Short, the uh, the Ricky Gervais show with Warwick Davis, oh <laughs> the Val so Kilmer good. episode. <laughs> so he brings uh, he brings Val Kilmer in to uh, meet, uh, I think it was his secretary, and he's like, oh, I have someone here uh, for, for, for you to meet, you know, it's a, a surprise. And Val Kilmer comes in wearing wearing the Batman cowl, <laughs> and he's like, who, do, do you know who this here. is? Okay, yeah. I'll play it. I have it right here. It's so so yeah, like like Robin was saying, Val Kilmer is meeting with Warwick Davis because they were both in oh. Willow. So he's he's just in town and he wanted to stop by and visit his office. So he's about to enter and then he says he takes out a Batman cowl and this is what he what ends up happening. It must be karma or something, because I've had some exciting news. Got a call completely out of blue yesterday from an old friend. Who wants to pop by and say hello? You'll know him from Top Gun, Batman Forever. I know him because we made a little cult movie together called Willow. Mr. Val Kilmer is stopping by. Oh, is yours? Uh, no, no, I just rent a unit here. I had to downsize recently for efficiency. Have you got a uh, secretary? Yeah. I've got a routine that I, I always do and it kills. Okay. All right, just a sec. He walks in with a Batman cow. Little surprise for you here, Cheryl. Butt long. Yeah, but who is it? Butt long. Right, but uh, who's behind the mask? It's not just any person. It's a person, though. It's not the real Batman. That's a comet. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but it's who's under the mask that's a surprise. It's someone who played Batman in the films. What films? The Batman films. Have you seen those films? 
Yeah. Good, right, so who is it? Christian Bale. No, no, earlier than that. Michael Keaton. No. Is it George Clooney? No. I love George <laughs> Clooney. No, not George Clooney. Oh, I wish it was George Clooney. Well, it isn't. <laughs> who else played Batman? Adam West. How is he fucking Adam West? He's about 85. Guess again. I've named all the Batman. No, you haven't. Who else is there? Is it the cartoon <laughs> version? Don't even know what that means. Batman. Oh, this is embarrassing. Sorry about this, Val. Oh, I said his name. So you got Val. Who is it? Is it Michael Keaton? Forget it. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's just great. That's awesome that he was actually like, was cool enough Jack? to do that, too. Well, there it is. Uh, I would say if we had to give this movie a uh, 5 out of 10 shitholes, what would you guys rate it at? Uh, Gramps? If we had to give it 5 out of 10 shitholes? What? That, that didn't make, that didn't make <laughs> oh, any shit, sense. Zero. Okay. Zero out of five. Okay. Zero, zero to five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, or any uh, any uh, unit of measure it, that you uh, choose. <laughs> I would give it a a, a solid seven point seven five shitholes. Seven point seven five shitholes. All right. That's pretty good. Uh, Legends. I'm gonna go with a uh, eight point five. Uh, farts by Dallas Pins. Damn. Because it's the first live action right. Batman film I saw in the theater. Yeah, little nostalgia. All right, Grumpler? I'll give it four and a half out of five grumps. Oh, ho, ho. Yeah, it there was my go. favorite for a Pretty long nice. time. Yeah. Uh, I would pro like, uh, fuck. If I had to give it two ratings, like the nine-year-old that saw it for the first time in theaters, I probably would have given it like a nine. Because I liked it so much when I was a little kid. Now that I, you know, put it up against everything else, I still think it's a solid like seven and a half. Uh, sometimes even teetering at eight at most points for a cool I'm, Batman movie. So, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be a Robin? little more generous with it because I think uh, so much was done right with it. I'll give it an eight out of ten shithole rating sites, certified fresh. <laughs> certified shithole. Uh, I. I'd give it, yeah, I'd give it like a 7.5 uh, or 8 out of 10 uh, shitty comic book uh, website. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll articles. say this. If it comes on, I'll, I'll watch it every time, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it about twice since it's been on Netflix. And that was only in like, what, like this month? Yeah. Um, it's an enjoyable film. And I think that most of the people that we... I am completely blown away about how many people actually agreed with us. I thought it was going to be way more people that didn't I'll like I'll tell you it, what, so if they cool did a Batman that. Forever that's right. um, comic series, the colors would be amazing. They did They did a, uh, They did did a. it just like they did with the other ones. There is one out there. I've never read it, but... Is it uh, just do you guys have that one? Like the... Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's like the comic adaptation. I've never read it, though, so I don't know. But it looked cool. Um... All right, well, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, getting involved and uh, hitting, up us, hitting us up in the comments. And uh, it's a great way, great fun way of getting the show to be a little bit more interactive. So we should probably do that a little bit more um, just to kind of get everybody involved. But, uh, yeah, catch us next week, ladies and gents, and we will see you later.